What a day, what a day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a busy breaking news day on Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by PTs. 64 locations in the Valley, best happy hour in town, proud partner of your Vegas Golden Knights and a great place to go watch games and celebrate and celebrate at your local tavern coming up on New Year's Eve. If you plan accordingly, PTs, we thank them for fueling the monologue. Every day I get on the radio at noon Pacific time and our vast audience that streams the show on the Raiders mobile app. So the breaking news today, Carson Wentz in COVID protocol for the Indianapolis Colts, an absolute potential game changer. It's affected the Vegas line. Uh, Everybody's talking about it and we get a chance to talk about it on the flagship. Simple rules. We don't celebrate this. We don't COVID shame anybody. And we don't celebrate anybody getting a virus. Never happened, never will. I'd like to see both teams at full strength. Neither team is at full strength. Both teams have big COVID issues happening with targeted players and groups. And this is a big deal. So we have no idea what's going to happen with the Raiders the rest of the week. We know that all their players are vaccinated that are on this list. According to Vinny Bonsignor, he tweeted that out. And we had a pretty good understanding all year long as John Gruden was coached before the resignation and now Rich Passaccia, that everybody was vaccinated. And they, they really took that seriously, the Raiders, dating back to last year with their wanting to crush the virus theme and just the fact that they're a brand-new team in a city, you know, an established brand, but in a new city in Vegas, and Vegas has been hit hard by COVID because we're a tourist community. People come in and visit all the time. So the Raiders aren't out of the woods yet. We are keeping in our head on the swivel and hope that no more players get on this COVID-19 protocol list. But the story today, the breaking news, the Colts could play this game without Carson Wentz, who is unvaccinated and now on the COVID list. His status for this game, week 17 for the Raiders, depends on whether he tested positive for COVID-19. Since he's unvaccinated, a positive test would result and went spending 10 days on the on the COVID reserve list. He'd be eligible to return prior, right prior to week 18 against the Jaguars. Now here's the hook. If Wentz was a close contact to someone who tested positive, he's got a quarantine for five days. If he doesn't test positive during his quarantine, he can return in time for this game. But, you know, Adam Schefter and a couple of people are ruling that he is out for the game. So this is a very fluid situation, and we'll see how it plays out because there are some NFL insiders talking about him being out, and I will not confirm that here on the show. I don't confirm anything on the show ever unless it's confirmed by multiple sources. But Adam Schefter uh, tweeted an hour ago, with Schefter out Sunday, Indy's playoff hopes rest with quarterback Sam Ellinger. So he's assuming from that tweet, that he's out, and we'll see what happens and how that plays out. He is unvaccinated, so this was the giant elephant, not one elephant, the elephant herd in the room with the Green Bay Packers this year because we know that Aaron Rodgers lied about it. He was immunized. He completely lied about it, 
He could have told everybody that he wasn't vaccinated. He wasn't vaccinated. He tested positive. He missed the Kansas City game. That was a, turned out to be a pretty good game. I think you'd all admit Kansas City won that game. If Kansas City didn't win that game, teams would be one back of them. And Kansas City won the game without Aaron Rodgers. And now, of course, Wentz doesn't play. He puts the season in jeopardy for Indianapolis. If the Raiders win that game, they'll have the same record and they'll have the tiebreaker on them. And, man, the AFC playoff scenarios are wild, everybody. We know the Raiders control their destiny. They're playing two teams with records that are better than them, uh, with the Chargers having the tiebreaker from already beating them. The Raiders need to win that game, but that game will only matter if the Raiders come through and beat Indianapolis on the road. So there's a lot of news today, and I think we should talk about this as it's fluid and it's real time. I don't want to hold you back as a Raider fan, but I don't want anybody gloating and saying, yes, this is great. That won't be allowed on this show. We don't say that about any team or any player. But how does this change the game in your perspective, and how does it change the game plan? I think the game plan for them pretty much remains the same. They were going to run the ball. Anyway, with Jonathan Taylor, and they were going to give him the ball a lot of times. When Jonathan Taylor rushes for over 100 yards, they're undefeated. That's scary because he's pretty much good for 100 yards in every game. And then when it comes to Derek Carr, when Derek Carr throws for over 300 yards, they're undefeated, the Raiders. So I think that's very important. For weeks I've been telling you here on this broadcast that the Raiders got to find a way to get him to that point. They got to get Carr to 300 yards. It gives them a better chance to win for weeks. And Derek Carr, with 4,363 yards, Derek Carr is still third in all of football with passing yards. And when was the last time he had a really good passing game? I can't recall. It was Dallas, I would assume, in the Dallas game that went to overtime. He put up a lot of yards in that game. So how does this affect the line? That's a big story today. Jeff Sherman, perfect day to get him on. Vice President of Risk Management over at the Superbook. They moved the line. It was Indy minus 7.5. Now the Superbook, the authority on lines in Vegas, has Indy minus 2. And you get 3 for playing at home. So it's basically a pick'em game. Circa moved the line to Indianapolis minus 1.5. So depending on the news with Carson Wentz, there'll be a big line move. If it turns out he's a close contact and he doesn't test positive and he can play, then that line would probably go up to six and a half, seven again, Indianapolis. And maybe there'll be sharp money on the Raiders now because Carson Wentz is out. And as long as Derek Carr isn't out, hopefully, you know, the line stays around this. But I don't care about the line for this game. We just care about the win or the loss. That's really the storyline here. It's not about the line. Gamblers are going to want to bet on firsthand information. And there was a really big story at Pro Football Focus on breaking news and who knew about this. You see, this is really important news for gamblers on when they get information because gamblers want to make sure they have an edge. So the lead story, number one story at PFT, Pro Football Talk, the point spread moving towards Raiders before the Colts put Carson Wentz on COVID reserve. The Colts announced on their website and on social media at 1.22 p.m. Eastern that Carson Wentz was going on COVID reserve. Some in the gambling community appeared to know it was coming. The point spread began moving towards the Raiders in this Sunday's game about a half an hour before the news that Wentz would miss the game became official. Several people who pay close attention 
to NFL betting lines began speculating on Twitter that Wentz must have been headed to COVID-19 reserve because the point spread had shifted from the Colts being favored by as much as nine points to the Colts being favored by as little as five. Then it became official and the line dropped even more. It appears that some people who had money on the Raiders-Colts game knew that Wentz was heading to the COVID list before the general public knew. And that's called being sharp if you get that information. So from a gambling perspective, if you're a gambler and you're in that business and you have a comment on this, we're going to talk to a couple of people here today who are pretty sharp. Mike North is supposed to join us out of Chicago. He's a big-time gambler. I had him penciled in today. And Ari Mirov, and Ari is one of the best breaking news guys. He's got a half a million Twitter followers for breaking news in the NFL. And he had this information right a long time with Adam Schefter. They were the first two to have it. So I'm going to ask him about when he got the news and maybe how it affected the lines here coming up here in a little bit. Also, Tom Flores is scheduled to join us at the bottom of the hour. I mentioned Jeff Sherman and Paul Gutierrez will join us next hour of the Raider Insider from ESPN. So what I'd like to do the rest of the week, and we got a curveball thrown into this here on Raider Nation Radio, is get the game plan for the game. I want to go all in now on your opinion on how the Raiders win this game. We're only talking about the win here. It's fluid. There's a lot of things changing. There's a lot of Raiders, linebackers on COVID. We're trying to go through the list. We're waiting for press conferences. We're waiting for news. We're waiting to get a vibe on who's going to be available to play. But assuming for today that Carson Wentz is out, what do you think the Raiders need to do now to win this game? Now, I've said this, and it's been a compelling topic. I even got calls on my show last night on Sirius about this game before the Carson Wentz news broke, is that are the Raiders done throwing the football the rest of the year? And that's a pretty important topic around Raider Nation now. Do the Raiders look at Josh Jacobs showing life and that they want to run the ball and the offensive line is clearly better at running the football than pass protecting? And with Darren Waller being out this long, and hopefully he comes back, are the strength of the Raiders the running game? I say no. I am vehemently on the other side of this. I know they have to run the ball. I just don't want them to fall in love with the run because I think the strength of the Raiders is their passing attack with Hunter Renfro with 90 receptions, Darren Waller coming back, the experience of Deshaun Jackson, the ability of Brian Edwards to come back from COVID protocol, Foster Moreau to catch big balls. I'd like to see the season in the hands of Derek Carr. Now, Derek's thrown some big interceptions the last two weeks. He threw the interception in Cleveland that could have cost him the game. All Cleveland needed was a first down after the car interception. And what are we talking about this week? What are we talking about? We're talking about the Raiders trying to get back to 500 and out of the playoffs. The Raiders' defense got three and out and got Carr the ball back so he could set up the game-winning field goal from Daniel Carlson. And then last week, Derek had the interception at the end of the first half, which was the worst interception I've ever seen him throw, and he's thrown some pick six. This wasn't a pick six. It set up a touchdown. But down and distance and timing of that was very concerning. And then the defense and Josh Jacobs came through and played tremendous, and the Raiders won the game. So I'm always honest and transparent with you and tell you everything that I'm capable of telling you that I'm allowed to say or I think I should be telling you first. I'm worried about them running the ball too much again. I'm worried about these dive plays into the line of scrimmage into a pile on second and seven that result in one yard. 
I like to see four wide. I want to see them spread it out. I want to see them go up-tempo in this game, but they don't seem to be doing that. They haven't done it since Dallas. So that's another important thing that we do here. We guess. We guess with opinions. That's what gamblers do. All we're doing is trying to figure out what's going to happen. And I'm not in the prediction business. I'm in the opinions business. And my opinion is I'm concerned that the Raiders are going to get conservative with the running game. You could feel the opposite, so call me at 702-365-9200. You might say that you've seen enough of these car interceptions the last two weeks. You like the running game. You believe that Leatherwood is better run blocking than pass blocking, and damn, you'd be right, and run behind Colt Miller and let Josh eat and let Josh carry the team down the stretch. If you agree with that, I'm not going to disagree with you. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you, but I'm not going to get upset about it. It's your opinion. I like Carr, and I like spreading out defenses. I think that if they use the Gruden playbook that now Greg Olson and Johnny Morton are in charge of, friends of the show, I think that if you let those offensive minds, along with Derek Carr, attack, I think they could spread out Indy and throw it over the middle of the field and pick up big plays. But they could be thinking the opposite right now in the building, and they're not going to tell any of us. Why should they? They could believe that the key to this victory is taking the air out of the ball and running it, and then if, if, if Carson Wentz can't play in the game, Sam Ellinger, he's a rookie, he's got no experience, and the Raider defense can go win the game again. And maybe that's the good game plan. See, it's not easy. We don't have all the answers, but we try to figure it out with the help of the fans and get your opinion on what needs to happen here. It's a must-win game. I have the scenarios here of what every team needs to do here, and it's flat-out crazy. It's crazy because... Pittsburgh tied Detroit earlier in the year, or Pittsburgh would be in the driver's seat. Baker Mayfield and Cleveland are in last place in the AFC North. If they win out by winning two division games, they could go to first. New England's a big play for the Raiders because it looks to be that New England is in. Remember, the Colts and New England both play the Jaguars. And the problem with the Colts is even if the Colts lose to the Raiders, with their schedule coming up, they should have another win on the back end as the Raiders play a tough opponent in the Chargers. But it's a one-game-at-a-time mentality here. I'll tell you, everybody, it took me a lot last week to not talk about this indie game a week early because I told you I thought the Raiders would beat Denver. And the way the game played out was a little bit interesting to me, but I thought they'd win the game. So I was dying to jump ahead and talk about the Colts. And I also knew in the back of my mind, the elephant in the room, that Carson Wentz could test positive even though we don't want that to happen because he's not vaccinated. The most difficult thing about this year for me has been dealing with the unvaccinated wackos. Let me say that again. Just the wackos. I don't mean everybody who's unvaccinated. I have friends who are unvaccinated. I have friends that I love and care about who are unvaccinated, and that's their opinion. And we don't even talk about it because we're friends. But I have a lot of people on social media and there's a lot of people that are whack jobs who are unvaccinated and they don't care about anything other than reminding you they're not taking the jab. They're not getting the shot. And they seem to be the loudest and the stupidest in sports media. They're everywhere. Some of them have blue check marks. They're actually vaccinated because they have to to work for their conservative right wing or their left wing crazy politically triggered company but they won't tell you what they think about the vaccine. 
Whereas sharp people tell you from quarterbacks to head coaches to commissioners. You notice all the commissioners who run the leagues, all the owners, everybody's just raising their hand. I'm vaccinated. I'm boosted. And these people are all telling you. So don't be afraid to tell people you're vaccinated. Why would you? You got the shot. If you have a voice and a microphone, you might as well tell people like Stephen A., my good friend Stephen A. Smith, who has COVID and is recovering from it. He went on CNN and Fox News and told everybody, yeah, I got 6 million Twitter followers. You better believe I'm telling people I'm vaccinated. So the two to three guys in the league who were unvaccinated made the loudest news this year. Fact, not fiction. Aaron Rodgers with the comment that I'm immunized, which meant he was not vaccinated and he hoped everybody in the Green Bay press room would be stupid enough not to ask the follow-up question, Whoa, 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 what would you say, Aaron? You're immunized? No, no, let me follow up. I'm raising my hand right here. Get me the microphone. I'm asking you directly, are you vaccinated for COVID-19? If someone would have said that follow-up question, the Internet would have broke because then everybody would have known that Aaron Rodgers was, was, was without a mask for eight weeks and the league did not treat Aaron Rodgers the way he should have been fined and treated. Okay, this is a big cover-up year, right? The Gruden emails, Daniel Snyder. How was Aaron Rodgers able to walk around the building in press conferences without a mask on, and then he just got fined for playing John Wick at a Halloween costume at a party? That was it? So if that doesn't seem shady as hell to you, I don't know what it is. And then the other two kings, like Game of Thrones, kings of the unvaccinated, by far are Carson Wentz, who was very quiet about it, and then that knucklehead Cole Beasley in Buffalo who's really radicalized with his opinions on that because he knows nothing. He knows nothing, and he doubles down. Even the Buffalo fans, half of them just think he's a nutcase. And he wasn't able to play in the New England game, but fortunately Buffalo won. But still, Buffalo fans are upset. And then that brings us to Carson Wentz, who's an outdoorsman. He likes to hunt. He's out, out in Montana hunting all the time. Big, brave guy. He's a great hunter. I come from a hunting family on my wife's side. And he's like, no way. And he wore the mask all year. So we knew that Carson Wentz was unvaccinated. So it's the, the storyline, as I was texting back and forth with a sports talk host in Indy today, was the fact that they always knew this could happen. They always knew that this was the biggest problem that could hit this team this year, is that they went all in after Phillip Rivers retired with Carson Wentz. They were pretty good with it. They started off 1-4, and four. Wentz was injured, and remember the foot injury in the preseason, he came back, and then everybody in Indy couldn't believe that he wasn't vaccinated. And what happened if this happens in the playoffs? And this is a playoff game for Indy against the Raiders. Winner move forward, loser go home. And he put the team in this situation. Because if he was vaccinated, he had plenty of time to clear protocol and maybe play on Sunday. And again, he can clear protocol if he did not test positive and he was close to someone who did. So that's a fluid situation. So again, I think we should spend the next couple of days here enjoying the holidays, New Year's coming up, and get a vibe on what you think needs to happen. I mean, I could do four radio shows just on this topic alone. Ready? I'll throw it out. I mean, this is freaking low-hanging fruit. This is the lowest-hanging fruit you could see. Carr or Jacobs? That's it. That's your topic. Everybody can steal it from me now. That's the best topic in Raider Nation. Carr or Jacobs? And don't tell me both. Don't tell me both. I was at every game this year at home and doing the pre and post on the road. Don't tell me both. Don't give me this. Oh, we need a balance. There's no balance here. There hasn't been balance in a long time. 
It's either Carr over 4,000 yards hitting Waller, who's been out a while in Renfro, or it's been the running game non-existent, non-existent the entire year. Jacob's only good for 50 yards, period, every game, and now he woke up. Now he woke up. So, behind door number one, you have Derek Carr, early MVP candidate, third in the league in passing yards. Behind door number two, you have Josh Jacobs, healthy, pissed off, running hard, playing well. Pick your soldier. Who you going with in Indy? You know Carson Wentz looks to be out. You know Leonard, one of the best linebackers, is out now. He could clear protocol. I need to know from you, Carr or Jacobs, you're going with one. One guy's going to be your guy. Okay, it's like a heavyweight fight, right? Tyson Fury, or you're going against who? Joshua, you're going against another heavyweight, whoever you think it's going to be. You can't pick them both. you got to pick one heavyweight. Derek Carr or Josh Jacobs, who are you going with? I love, I love Josh Jacobs, but he's had a disappointing year. He has. Fact, not fiction. Now he's hot. So you go with Josh. You live and die with Josh. I'm more comfortable going with Carr. And that's not an easy decision because Derek's been a little bit shaky in the last couple of games with interceptions. Been a little bit, been a little bit shaky. So that's what I want to open up with. Just win Wendy starts us off. We saw her at the game. She came up to the torch and the post game. How are you, Wendy? Hey, I'm doing great. It's Tuesday, so my voice is still a little out there, but it's coming back. Good for you. <laughs> so I have a couple of things to say, one about the game and one about the whole situation with the Colts. Um, I got to see the replay of the game um, yesterday, and um, I realized that Josh Jacobs actually started running pretty well before he fumbled. Mm-hmm. But then, oh, my God, after, after halftime, I mean, he really, he really came out there. And, it, I mean, a lot of people have said that. I just want to say that I observed it as well. He was running. I mean, there was one run where he did, and I was like, oh, my God, that's, that's 2019 Josh Jacobs, you know. And so I really feel like he's getting there. I really felt like he was kind of lost once Alec was out because mm-hmm. Alex, you know, led him. And, and he could just follow Alex, and wherever Alex was going, he was going. And it seemed like when Alex was out, it was hard for Josh to Yeah, I, out, Wendy, Wendy you know. I disagree with you on that. I'm a big Alec Ingold fan, too, yeah. short yardage and catching the ball. But when you put two in the backfield, you're telling the 400 section at Allegiant in the upper deck <laughs> that you're running it straight up the middle. And, yeah. and I don't like that conservative style. I like winging it. I like attacking the middle of the field. I like Waller and Moreau both running routes, one staying back to block. And I like Renfro running to the first down marker, not short of it. So that's what I like. But you're making good points. Josh Jacobs in the second half was remarkable. Yeah, he was. He was just definitely saying, okay, give me the darn ball. I'm going. I'm going. And I was just, I was just great. It was really great to watch the second half. And I know, you know, I know things happen, but it was great. Um, I gotta say though, even before before noon, before you came on today, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, you know, Indianapolis had to be checking with agents the last week or so. They had to be calling quarterbacks and just saying, hey, you know, what's going on with you? Are you in shape? Just in case. So there had to be some stuff going on. Because I'm thinking, they can't throw that rookie in. 
I mean, look, they saw what happened with Book last night. Yeah, I mean, good point. they've got to have. I I expect something to come up. This I expect that they'll. It's Philip Rivers. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Wendy, I got to run. Funny. Good to hear from you. I'll see you at the uh, Charger game. You'll be there, I'm assuming. I will. Good. I'll see good you to then. See you. We'll just win, Wendy. Nice lady. Always show, comes up to our events. Really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Zach Kiefer just tweeting out Colts need to call Philip Rivers. Uh, a lot of people, if you just put Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers into a search, you'll just see everything Colts. And he's probably in shape and he knows the Raiders better than anybody. Pro football focus fantasy. An hour ago, the Colts are considering reaching out to Philip Rivers, according to Zach Kiefer. And look, if Rivers comes in, the Raiders have beaten Rivers plenty of times. We know that, but Rivers knows the Raiders and their personnel groupings and their packages and Gus Bradley as good as anybody off the street. It's fair. Could that happen? Would that make Rivers look like a hero if he comes in and wins the game? Yeah, I thought that they should have brought Rivers in to start the season. But it's probably a little too late. But we'll keep an eye on the story. This is breaking news on steroids. Carson Wentz giving being out, I mean, gives the Raiders more than a a puncher's chance to win the game. With a healthy Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor, the Raiders were a heavy underdog for that reason. But the Raiders are in the hunt, and they have an opportunity to get it done. And that's what we're talking about right now. Your opinion on the breaking news, 702-365-9200. Great day today to talk Raiders on Raider Nation Radio. Now it's Barber turn. Daylight dives over the top. Signal? Anybody? Signal? No signal yet. Jackpot, baby! (laughs) Oh, we got to get a bunch more jackpots coming up. JT, back with you. Brought to you by Remy Martin. Tori, Amanda, the whole team at Remy Martin. They team up for excellence. Big part of the show, big partner of mine. Thanks to Remy Martin for everything they've done for us this year. We bring in the Hall of Fame coach of the Raiders, Tom Flores. And Coach, Raiders got a big win, uh, grinded out win the way you would get them over the years against the Denver Broncos, and now they're alive going into Indy. How are you, Coach? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's beautiful here in, in uh, Palm Springs right now. The sun's out, and Raiders are uh, still alive in the playoff race. You can't, uh, you can't wish for anything um, better than that. Uh, the way they've been playing, they're lucky they're there, but still they're there, and they've earned the right to be there. They, they've earned the right because uh, they've played better defense, uh, and, uh, and that's just the bottom line. The games have been very tight. Yeah, Coach, you're right about that. They're fortunate to be in this situation, but a lot of great wins early in the year, going back to beating the Ravens, beating Pittsburgh, uh, the win against Philadelphia. They're slotted in the playoffs now, and they beat the Dallas Cowboys, who are easily going to win their division, and they swept Denver. I want to begin with your comments on the difficulty in the position Rich Passaccia was in, and now winning more games, especially sweeping Denver. How important that is for a coach who has that interim title. Well, it's important in, in the fact that he, he shows uh, uh, he, he shows you that he knows how to win, and mm-hmm. he shows you that he 
you know, he's a little conservative. Uh, whether that's his style, I don't know, because I don't know his coaching style at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I did meet him when I was in Vegas last and um, met him on the sideline. And, and we were going to try to when the season's over, we're probably going to have a little um, God willing, and he's still around. We'll have a conversation, and uh, I can get to know a little bit more about it. But I do like him, and he seems to be handling himself well. He's letting the people coach and letting the players play. Tom Flores, the Hall of Famer, joins us. Coach, that's my big topic today. I wonder, because the Raiders haven't played well in the passing game. They haven't been explosive as of late. The Cleveland game and the Denver game proved it, and they just got Josh Jacobs going. So do you think that could lead to more conservative play in the running game because Jacobs finally woke up and had a big game? Or in this matchup, in a dome, no weather, cars won in Indy before, with possibly getting Waller back, they can get back to that explosive passing game. Well, hopefully they'll have him back. I mean, I'm not sure. I thought he was going to be back two games ago, but you, you got to have a – he's their big play guy, and uh, they could have used him the last few weeks because because they need that. They need the big play guy to, to, to get the 20, 30 yards every once in a while and then, and then in the red zone be a, a, a dangerous uh, scoring threat. Um, so, you know, the, the, the Jacobs uh, is uh, – you know, Jacobs is, is grinding it out, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's uh, keeping the ball alive. Keeping The the one thing about the, the uh, when you run the ball like they're running the ball right now with Jacobs, that has the tendency to keep the other offense off the field. And a lot of coaches like to do that. Keep their offense off the field. Don't, let them get, don't give them a chance to score. Tom Flores joins us. Coach, you mentioned the defense when we started. I mean, if I would have told you when we talked to you last, they'd hold Denver to 16 yards with really two good backs. Just nice that the linebackers filled those holes. I thought Max Crosby not only getting a sack, uh, secured the edge along with Yannick Ngakwe. And that defensive line coach really seems to be collapsing on the run and making plays. Guys aren't bouncing off for big runs. I was very impressed. Yeah, you know that that's the one thing they were allowing earlier in the year. They're allowing the guys to get around the edge. You can't. You got to protect the edge. You got to keep the leverage from the outside in, so they can't bounce outside. And uh, they've done a very good job. That Berriman's having a, a good year. Just a, what what a good tackler he is, man! I tell you. So it's fun to watch him. Uh, and they're playing better. They're they're playing uh, smarter. Uh, and they're still a young team, and they're still, still a bunch of unknowns. <laughs> Coach, finally, the big question. I've been waiting to ask it to you all year. This year for you, what a year. You've explained it to us. You're so kind to us. We can't thank you enough for joining us every other t- uh, Tuesday, the Hall of Fame induction, what the Raiders did for you at halftime, your grandkids, your kids coming to Vegas all the time, uh, your friends in the Hall of Fame now that your brother's with them, you're all Hall of Famers. Take Look back on this year and how big of a blessing this was for you, your wife, and your entire family. Oh, man, I tell you, JT has been the best year of my life. But even though I've been going through this surgical pro, uh, process uh, with a back and a hip, it's been the best year of my life with all the – and the reason is that I got to share it all with my family and my friends and uh, and go in uh, 
and spend the rest of my uh, of eternity with my friends. Nicely said, Coach. That's a great way to say it and wrap up the year with us. We'll talk to you soon. We'll wrap up the season either in the playoffs or hopefully in the playoffs. I'll leave it at that and talk to you in a couple of weeks. Have a safe new year, and we'll talk to you on the other side. Anytime, JT. Thank you, Coach. How cool was that comment? Thank you. How about that? The guy had massive surgery, his back. He was in a wheelchair for most of the year, and he said it was the best year of his life. Is that fantastic? I'm happy we have that soundbite for a turn. The best year of his life. They made that gentleman wait, wait, wait for the Hall of Fame. They made him wait that long, and you think it was worth the wait? Well, the guy with the gold jacket just told you it was. I mean, I'm pretty emotional now hearing that. That was a very nice comment from Coach Flores. It puts everything in reality. Everything in reality when you talk about having a bad day, you know, you're having a bad year, COVID this, that, you lost a family member, whatever it is. Everybody who's listening has been through something big this year. I know that. We interact together. But to hear that, incredible. It puts life in perspective. You could have a bad year. You could have physical issues. You could be in a wheelchair, get out of the wheelchair. It's the best year of his life. How about that? Coach Flores, the absolute best. What a gentleman. 702-365-9200. James and Henderson. Thanks for listening on 920. How are you, James? I am good. Thank you for taking my call, JT. I appreciate it. Um, You had the question on whether this is going to be a Carr or a Jacobs game. In my opinion, I think this is going to be a Jacobs game simply because that's all we hear when we listen to the press conferences from from Mm -hmm. Coach Rich and some of the other guys. So um, I, I think it's going to be a lot of that. Uh, they're going to try and establish that play-action run game that they've always been talking about. And if it works, uh, I think that's the way they go. So we're looking at kind of like an ugly game that we've seen the last two weeks. Um, if it doesn't work, then we probably won't see, uh, you know, Carr start to do things until maybe the second half. So for me, I think this is probably going to be a Jacobs game, and they're going to try and ride that hot hand. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Thanks for checking in. If you believe in conspiracy theories, I have a big one for you. Breaking news from Adam Schefter. The NFL and the NFL Players Association are getting close to adopting new CDC guidelines that would reduce the quarantine time to five days from 10 days for all players, including those who are unvaccinated. Agreement could be done today. On the day where Carson Wentz goes on the COVID list, now we're finding out that there could be a new rule. A new rule, kind of like when they moved the the Cleveland game for the Raiders. They moved that game to Monday from Saturday because of Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield never cleared protocol. Adam Schefter reporting the union and the league could adopt a five-day quarantine even for the unvaccinated. So there's only a few unvaccinated players left, only a few. And one of them is Carson Wentz, who would be ruled out if he tested positive. Now, out of nowhere, like a dove flying out of a, out of a mountain sky, there could be a new rule. We should call this the Carson Wentz rule if it's a did. Why didn't they adopt this in week 13, week 16? Why now? I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just doing my job telling you what I'm reading. Incredible to me, according to Adam Schefter. Go see it if you'd like. Because if he didn't get vaccinated, 
He chose not to be vaccinated. And if he failed COVID and is allowed to play, this is total garbage. You want to change the rules for the vaccinated and give them a shorter time to play? I'm fine with that. For the unvaccinated this late in the season? Wow. Just wow. No, look, I'm not involved in that. You know, our job is to really focus and prepare, you know, get the players ready to go. Pretty soon your energy gets wasted and obviously we didn't do a good enough job tonight. It's frustrating and I'm sure it was frustrating to watch. That's such a great soundbite for Bobby to have. Why didn't they change the COVID rules for the Saints who were playing for their playoff lives last night? without a quarterback couldn't they have moved the game or if they're going to have a new isolation rule now where even unvaccinated players like Carson Wentz can go from 10 days to five days why now I bring in Jeff Sherman VP of risk management over at the Superbook Jeff this is very fluid you're one of the best in the business I don't know how you're dealing with this not only handicapping players being out and trying to figure out the line but now potentially getting new rules from the league and the union. How are you handling this at the Superbook? Uh, it's just as fluid as it can be, and it's just NFL, NBA is doing the same thing. So as things adjust, we try to. But, you know, we're getting hit on all angles from every sport, and we just had the recent bowl game for tonight. The UCLA-NC State game just got canceled. So things are just completely fluid. Uh, when we go to Carson Wentz and this issue here of him not being vaccinated and you knowing that all year, Was this a discussion in the back office that, hey, eventually one of these games, week 17 or 18 or round one in the playoffs, he might not be available because he's one of the few unvaccinated quarterbacks left? You know, not ahead of time, but then you see the issues starting to creep up with the Colts and then them having uh, to put players in isolation. And it was a lot of players on the team, too, so then it could bleed into him. But, you know, it's been back and forth this morning. We made some adjustments, but now it took the game back down against the Raiders because now there's talk about, maybe it's just a close contact and he, and he can test out so he might be available for the game. So it's just a fluid situation back and forth. But we just, as we get the information, which comes all the time, we just make the adjustments. Uh, Jeff Sherman joins us from the Westgate, one of the best. So explain that to our audience one more time, how the uh, spread, it goes from seven and a half, then you move it to Indy minus two and a half, then it gets taken off the board, how this happens, how fluid that is and what does a typical sharp gambler do compared to square when they see all this movement well especially early in the week that you start to see some money show up and we took some money on the Raiders money line this morning and then you start to try to find out information on why that's being bet so then you see about the Wentz situation but not only Wentz there's issues with all five players on the offensive line and that's just as important I mean the quarterback obviously but the offensive line is such a big deal so that's why you see the large adjustment down and we went down to two and a half considering all that. But now about Wentz perhaps being able to play if it's just a close contact, you know, we, we just said let's find out more information. Usually by Wednesday practice, the latest on Thursday, we can find out more definitively and get more of a, a stable number up. Jeff Sherman is our guest. So tell me what you're thinking about San Francisco now as that line moved initially from the open at 15 with Houston with the Jimmy Garoppolo 
injury to the thumb and Trey Lance getting ready to play here most likely. I mean, they're still a heavy favorite here, but Houston also came up with a big win against the Chargers. Yeah, we adjusted from 15.5 down to 12.5 on the 49ers, and we've had experience with Trey Lance being in there because Garoppolo missed a game earlier this season at Arizona, and we saw how much he meant to the line there. So we just adjusted down to 12.5, and and you might see it fluctuate anywhere from 10.5 to 12.5 in that type of range, which, you know, it's in that range, numbers move more fluidly. So if we took a respected bet, we could go all the way from 12.5 down to 11 rather quickly. A lot of public money on Dallas. How do you see this with the Arizona game? Open minus two and a half. You have it at five now for the Cowboys here. And the Cowboys are getting everybody back healthy. And finally, Dak came out of that mini slump. Yeah, we think this is a bit of an overreaction because Mm -hmm. what everyone saw last was the Cowboys just beating up on Washington, who had a lot of issues. And the night before that, you had uh, the Cardinals losing to Indianapolis at home. So, you know, usually we try not to make such over-adjustments in the spread, and you're seeing five, five and a half. We expect this number to come down a bit. Um, it, it's just, it seems like the value would be on Arizona here just because of the overreaction at this time of season. Jeff, I'd like your opinion overall on the AFC North because Cleveland's in last, and they can go to first if they win out and get some help. Cincinnati in the bad blood with Baltimore running up the stats for Joe Burrow. I mean, it's been exciting this year. I know you handicap games one game at a time. But when you look out with future lines and know that this thing is still wide open in the AFC North. Yeah, and it's funny because just uh, before I, I got on with you, we were making lines on Week 18 doing our advanced numbers. And that's the game that we were on is the Bengals at the Browns next week. And we had anywhere from 1.5 to 2.5 on Cleveland and uh, expecting both teams to be going full board on that one. So, um, it, it's a tough scenario to work through those, but that's what we're going to be getting up in the next half hour is Week 18 lines. You, know, you mentioned the college bowl games, Jeff. We both are in Vegas, and you go to Golden Knights games and Raider games, and you, you, you handicap golf, and you're always at golf tournaments here in town. We know how vibrant bowl games are to the local communities here, and a lot of fans don't seem to care much about it. But you and I both know it's important to gambling, and it's important to these local economies and the Holiday Bowl. I lived in San Diego for eight years. That's an incredible bowl game. And when you start canceling these bowl games, knowing that these bowl directors and the volunteers work year-round for one day, it's crushing. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, you're talking about we have the game on Thursday night here in Las Vegas between Arizona State and Wisconsin. And there's already been talk of some COVID issues on the Wisconsin side. And one of the things about Wisconsin is they're one of the schools that travels best in the country. So we're expecting a large impact on this economy from the Wisconsin followers. And uh, it, hopefully that game can carry through. But we're currently sitting Wisconsin 6-41 and 41 right now. Uh, finally, let's wrap it up with the NBA. And again, the low-hanging fruit of the Lakers. If a fan right now wanted to jump in a better and bet the Lakers to win it all, to win the NBA title, what would the odds be? Well, we have the uh, the highest on the on the planet. I'm pretty sure of that, and we also probably have the most liability on them, just because we're taking somewhat of a stance. And I'm not uh, believing that they're going to turn this around, even getting AD back. So we have the Lakers at 25 to one for the title, 10 to one to win the Western Conference, and we actually just took 15,000 on them at 10 to one to win the West. Wow, it's incredible that this so-called super team, the value that could be there if they turn it around. Jeff, we're thanking. Everybody who's come on with us all year long, you from a gaming perspective, as we talk more and more about sports gambling throughout my career, thank you for everything this year. You've been fantastic. You're a good friend, and we'll send everybody around the globe 
to the Superbook at the West Be- uh, Gate, the best in town. Thanks again. All right. Thanks, JT. All right, Jeff Sherman checking in. So we see the odds on this and what's happening here. So as we look at what's going on, this is fluid now. Uh, the big breaking news this morning was Carson Wentz on the COVID list. Most people, including Adam Schefter, believed he would be out. He'd be out of the game because he's unvaccinated. Then an hour later, Adam Schefter comes out with the breaking news that the league and the union are getting close to adopting 10 days to five days, which I have no problem with if you're unvaccinated. I believe, like most rational people, that if you're vaccinated and you're trying to help stop the pandemic, which is a bumpy road, and you could get COVID, we all know that, but we're talking about non-athletes, people in real life who are fighting for their lives. So we're trying to think together as a team here. But when it comes to sports, you know, if you're not vaccinated, the rules shouldn't be the same as they are for the vaccinated or none of these guys would have got vaccinated. They're all healthy. They're all in their 20s. I would think more than 50% of football players did not want to get vaccinated, period. And they said, you know what? I'll do it. I'll take the jab because I might be out. My team might lose a game. Now you're going to change the rules? Week 17, going into a Raider game where the opposing quarterback who was unvaccinated, Derek Carr's vaccinated. If Derek Carr was on the COVID list and then tested negative in time, he could play. But Derek got vaccinated to help out his team. I don't know where Derek stands on the vaccine. It's none of my business. He got vaccinated. Carson Wentz chose not to. So you're going to change the rules. You're going to say, no, 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 no. Carson Wentz, you happen to be on this list today. We're going to change the rules today so Carson Wentz possibly could play? I want Carson Wentz to play. I want him to be without the virus, pass the protocol, and play. But if he doesn't, he failed because he let his team down for the rules. I mean, am I making any freaking sense here? Every time I look at a Raider game, they move the Browns game to get Baker Mayfield more time. Baker didn't get more time. I think if Baker played and all the starters played for Cleveland, the Raiders would have lost. I think I'm fair to say that. They would have lost that game. Uh, There were a lot of guys out. And Nate Hobbs tested, so Nate Hobbs couldn't play. But the Raiders had an advantage in that game. We were transparent about that. But the league changed the goal line. They changed the rules and moved the game. You cannot debate me on this topic that they should have moved New Orleans last night. If they moved the game for the Browns against the Raiders, why didn't they move the New Orleans game against the Dolphins where they had no shot? Wow, these are really important topics that I'm trying to get my head wrapped around like you are. JT, brought to you by Grimaldi's, the best pizza I've ever had.